Rob Carbone, this is BD for Barrett. So shake it big. Ten and three. Because, like, taking two out of three in a baseball series, there are many, there are a couple ways to look at it. Like, you can lose the final game of the set and take two out of three, but that will have such a different meaning than when you take two out of three and you lose the first game of the set. You know, it's like it's a momentum type of thing, it leaves such a different feeling on you. Like, if the Yankees were to go into the series and lose the first game, but they took the next, I would be feeling so fucking great. But the fact that they had such a good thing going. They won the first two. You know, the Astros were getting fucking tortured by the Bronx. And it looked like they were headed for a sweep. And to have that all end the way it did, it's such a different feeling. Like, the, it would have been perfect to sweep them. But I would have taken a loss in game one if it meant we could win game two and three. It's, it's such a, it's the same exact result in the end. It impacts your team's, you know, spot in the standings the same exact way. Your record's the same coming out of it. But, like, yeah, losing that last game, it sucked. And I'm also a huge believer in, I don't know what to call this. Do you call it, like, fate? Like, I'm a huge believer in, I thought that like, that Jose Altuve home run, that was supposed to happen. Like, I really thought, I believe that that was, like, supposed to happen. I just felt like it was in, like, it was in God's script to happen. And if it didn't happen, the world was going to explode or some tidal wave would have happened or some big earthquake, something. Like, I'm a big believer in that shit. Whatever you call that, whatever you call... I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know the word for it, but I guess we'll call it feet. I don't know, but I, I like that was going to happen no matter what, no matter who was pitching. <laughs> I felt like that El Tuve home run was going to happen no matter what. And I guess that might contradict about what I'm going to say. About taking Cole out at 97 pitches later on. <laughs> We're going to get into that later on. So I might be um, kind of going my going against my own case here. But fucking, I don't know. I just, I just knew that shit was going to happen. I knew it. You know, it's just, it sucks. But fucking it happened and it was supposed to happen. It was the baseball gods that had that in the script to happen. You can count on that. Yes. It sucks, man. I wanted that sweep. So I wanted that sweep more than anybody else. More than you. More than you. More than you listening. More than you watching. I wanted that sweep more than anybody. It's. I always feel like the Yankees are are, are always good. 
but they're never good enough. Like they never get that extra topping, I guess. You know, it's it's still nice to take two. Sure, I guess. You know, the stadium had fun. Holy shit, did they? <laughs> Tell you what, man. For only what ten, eleven thousand in attendance, it made it seem like fifty thousand in attendance. It made it seem like so the ten thousand fans there. That made it seem like 50,000 fans in a normal game. You know, it really did. It was impressive. I mean, you had the the fuck L2 Vegiers going on. All types of chants. The Boo Birds were out. The signs were excellent. Very creative. Very, very creative. To a point where the Astros even tattletailed. They went to Major League Baseball and they complained that their feelings were getting hurt because they didn't like that the Yankees and uh, that the Yankee fans were taunting them too much. They went to MLB, they went to Major League Baseball and filed a little complaint because their feelings were hurt. The team who cheated for three years, their feelings were hurt. Because the Yankee crap. I mean, that's the softest thing I've ever fucking heard. In Yankee Stadium, they banned Oscar the Grouch. Because I, I shit you not. You can look that up. My buddy posted it on Instagram today. I laughed my freaking ass off. I had to look it up myself because I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. They banned Oscar the Grouch. Because... the. The Astros went and complained to Major League Baseball. Yankees fans are being too mean to us. They're being too rude. They're not being nice. They're not serenading us because, you know, we only cheated the game. We only cheated the game of baseball. Oh my gosh, dude. They banned Oscar the Grouch. Surprised nobody took, like, Oscar the Grouch as some kind of, like... Like, I'm surprised nobody thought that was racist. With, with as crazy as we get today. You know. Because it was towards like Altuve. And how he's like small. And he's a little scruffy midget. I'm surprised nobody. You know complained about that being racist. In some kind of way. Because you know how people are today. But. It was awesome man. It was great to hear that. It was great to see that. To witness that. And you know what I loved. The yes Network wasn't even like offended by it. Like they never condoned it, which usually they're quick to jump on that stuff. You know they're gonna, you know, they're, they're, you know, they gotta act professional. They're on the payroll and everything. <laughs> they gotta be PC. But even they were kind of like, oh, you know what? They deserve it. And shit, did they? And they got it. They got every bit of it. They got it. Could you just imagine if it was July first? And you had 100% capacity. And you had 50,000 Bronx Maniacs just scowling at you. Oh my gosh. If that were the case, I'm pretty sure I would like to believe the Yankees probably would have swept them. And swept them big. Because they were clearly rattled at points. They certainly were. I mean, they, they deserved every bit of it, man. I mean, listen, you fucking cheated the game of baseball. You cheated. 
You don't and can't do that. You deserve all of this shit. And honestly, I was very disappointed when I, I looked up the schedule and I saw that they weren't coming back to Yankee Stadium post-July. They won't be here. The only other time we play this year is a couple of games in Texas. That's it. We go there for a pair. But they're not coming back here. That sucks. I was even upset that the Yankees didn't throw at them. I was hoping they would have stuck one right in Altuve's ribs. You know? Nothing. They didn't even brush anybody off the plate. I mean, shit, they were hitting us twice. Went high and in on Urshela. They went high and in on DJ. Did they hit Giancarlo? They made have went high and up. High and tight. I don't know. But we did nothing. They hit us a couple times. They went high and up. Or high and tight. And we did nothing. I was hoping we would have done something. You know, we had a nice... No. Decent leads in the first couple of games of the series. We could have done something in that game one. 7-3 victory. I was hoping for something. We did zilch. I was so happy though. This, I mean, you can't you can't tell me with a straight face that the the Astros did not deserve that. Especially with not did they just cheat? But the way they act, they got off scot free, right? Nothing happened. They they lost a couple of picks and AJ Hinch is now back in baseball. They fucking got off scot free, but the way they acted after that whole thing, the the the. the the route they took, they want the avenue of acting arrogant. They could have been classy. They chose arrogance and, you know, us against the world, baby. And they just acted like they did nothing wrong. And like, like, what do you think? Like, think logically, be fucking rational and, and try realizing why fans don't like you. You've been booed all around baseball. Yankees fans never liked the Astros to begin with, but now we lost respect for you after all that bullshit. And so you got exactly what you deserved, even less. I thought, you know, it could have been a lot worse. But it was loud, it was crazy, and it was very much enjoyable. I loved it all. And I very much hope that we carry that same exact energy every single year they come here. No matter how much further away we get from that day, I want the energy, the electricity, the anger, the hate, I want it to be amplified, maybe even more, as we get further from this date. I want this to be something that nobody forgets. Even when all, you know, five players on that roster who were left from 2017, even when nobody's left around and it's a bunch of new players and they're like, why the fuck are you booing us? I don't care. I want them raining down the boots. I don't care. We do not respect you. We will never respect you. We will never want to respect you. And you do not deserve us respecting you. Welcome to the fucking zoo. That's how it's going to work from here on out. So we took two out of three. But it sucks because like even after all this winning we're doing. Not losing the series for five in a row. You know, 11 and five during that span. You look up. We're still sitting in fourth place. 16 and 15. 
You know, it's it's like, wow, that extra slow start was really impactful. We're playing this well for this long, and we're still, you know, 16 and 15 in fourth place. That slow start really did a damper. It did a number on us. But you look at it on a bright note, and uh, Kay mentioned it today in the telecast. It is the first time in Major League Baseball history that no team has even a 600 winning percentage after 30 games. So if you want to look at a positive, the Yanks are still very much within reach here of Boston for first place. No team's killing it. Even the uh, the Dodgers, who started out fireballing, have they're they're you know, seventeen and fifteen. They're second place, maybe worse. You know, so now there aren't a lot of teams. A lot of teams who are supposed to be great aren't great right now, and so the Yankees do have some breathing room because of that. So, so if you look at it that way, you know we do look much better. We're eleven and five in our last sixteen. We you know have the top OPS in the game over our last 15 games or so. You know, we're scoring more runs. The offense looks so much better. Guys are coming around. Some guys, you know, we'll get to, but pitching staff's giving a little more. It looks more promising. See, I'm maturing, guys. Listen, I, I've said it before. I've said this plenty of times before. Please do not take my in-game tweets serious whatsoever. I fucking hate that word. I always tell myself I will not ever say the word tweet. Just sounds so feminine. Um but do not take anything anything I say on social media during those three plus hours of Yankee baseball, even the Knicks games at times, please do not take me serious. Please ignore it and shrug it off as oh, that's just RJ living in the heat of the moment. That's it. I'm just living in the absolute 500 degree heat in the moment. There. That's it. I'm 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 angry. I need to get my my anger out. I vent. That's what I do. I do that during the games. I'm sorry. So if I come across as an asshole, I promise you, I'm not trying to be one. I just I, I'm letting out my frustration. It makes me feel good. I'm immature. I'm immature. But if you actually pay attention to what I say in the blogs, or better yet, in these podcasts, you know, and, you know, follow me on social media, wait a few hours after the game, and maybe I'll say some positive, you know, some some rational, I'll have some rational takes. Or just come here on the podcast, right? This is hours after the game. I'm recording this, you know, Thursday night, like the game ended at four o'clock you know, around that time. As I'm recording, it is 1251 in the morning, Friday morning. So technically it's May 7th. So yeah, come to these podcasts if you want my legitimate opinions, not my opinions in the heat of the moment, <laughs> which you can find our show. If you really want, you can find us. See, I tried to 
just lead you guys to a plug, but I screwed it up because my software is acting, acting really slow. <laughs> I was going to try and tell you where you could find me in, you know, kind of go with the, uh, the plug there, but let's see if we can get to, uh, a better screen. If you're, if you're watching the podcast, I'm sorry for this, but you can find us. Yeah. Listen to me on the podcast. I'm much more rational here. So here we go. If you want to find us on the podcast, you can listen to BD4, you know, Apple podcasts, Spotify, um, SoundCloud anchor is our sponsor. You can also watch the podcast. We have the video version of this podcast up on YouTube. If you're not doing so already. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you want to follow my blog, I write about the Yankees every series and the Knicks every, uh, I'm sorry, I write about the Yankees every game and the Knicks every game. And of course, again, the podcast, I talk Yankees every series and Knicks every two games. So all that, the blog, the podcast, and my social media, you can find all that information on my link tree. So if you want, just go to linktr dot e e forward slash rj carbone all right so just go to link tr dot e e forward slash rj carbone and that will take you to my link tree displaying all the links you need in order to reach me all right that said, guys, we are going to take a, a bit of a break, and we will be right back. So I was, um, this was earlier, uh, I think two days or yesterday, earlier yesterday, I have my, so I get my morning coffee. I, I would, there's a really awesome bakery around the corner for me that I really should start going to because it's, it's homemade. Everything's awesome, but it's like, it's so, it's so great that it's always crowded and there's always a big line. And obviously now with COVID, you have to like wait outside. It's it's a longer process. So I just, you know, I, I do the quick fix. I go to Duncan. <laughs> I do the lazy quick fix. And I was walking home from Duncan because it's, it's right up the road for me. So it's easy to go to. And like, I'm like, people don't say fucking hello anymore, dude. They don't say hello anymore. <clears throat> they, I, I literally walk by... Uh, a few people together 
two uh you know two women um not old not my age but not old maybe i don't know 40 30s late 30s hello how are you they fucking cover their face in their mask they do a visible like a half circle just to avoid me that's what this shit has done to people man it makes us so fucking antisocial. people don't even want to say hello to you anymore they walk as far away as possible from you and they throw on their little face diaper and you know i'm not anti-mask i'm not some loser who who's you know gonna protest masks or i i do it i wear wear it whenever i need to you know i i listen to what i'm told to do i, I follow the guidelines or whatever but like walking outside i'm in public you're in public you're out there for a reason because you chose to i'm out here because i chose to i'm just trying to say how like people and this ha this isn't just a one-time thing i'm complaining about like I, this happens all the time i say hello to somebody and they just cover up they don't even want to like people don't say hello anymore dude they're just everybody's focused on themselves and they don't care they're too busy to say hello they just they want to get right to where they're supposed to go and i just feel like this oh my gosh dude it sucks it's sad it really is sad it's just one thing I noticed. It's it's uh, I keep noticing it. Like this whole thing is definitely not helping that. People have become so antisocial. You, I, I literally said, "Hi, yo, how you doing?" And it was like they were trying to be. It wasn't even like passive aggressive. It was just like, "Look at me. I don't want to touch." Like literally, they put their mask on and they did a half a circle around me. Literally walked on the curb. I'm on the sidewalk, on the left side of the sidewalk. They could have took the right side of the sidewalk. They walked basically in the street, on the side of the street, next to the curb, just to avoid me. They didn't even say hello back. It's like, damn, man. People have gotten to this point. And this happens to me all, again, I, I, it's happened to me crossing somebody in the, in, the, uh, in the hallway at school. It's happened to me walking to the bus. Shit. People are so... Oh, it's sad. Random, but like, I just... It, it annoys me, man. It's like, damn. Can't even say hello to people anymore without them being afraid of you. It's sad. Mike Trout's hitting 400. He... I think he actually... I think he actually... Um, I think it's down like 398 after today but you know he's <laughs> so that team is very it, it sucks because they have some really talented players Otani is leading the majors in home runs he's pitching well he made that really nice play on the mound the other day Trout's hitting 400 and they're like an average team you want them to be good. You want them to be noticed more because they've got Mike Trout, who, you know, they obviously had that big, and it's still a big marketing issue with him. He should be marketed a lot more like LeBron James. He's, dude, he's a, he's a fucking good player. He's an amazing baseball player who, one of a kind in a while. But yeah, man, I was, I was like, 
looking at some of these angels. Got some talent. They should be a lot better. Also saw that um that kid from the Orioles who a lot of people were talking up, you know, whenever the Yankees play the O's and John Means pitches, they always talk him up like he's, you know, a prospect on the ups and good for him. He had the uh the tenth no hitter in Orioles history. A few days ago. Good for him. There's already been six of those this year. That's got to be like a record. We're barely a month into the year. And there's been six new hitters. That's what I heard on ESPN. I'm pretty sure it was six. That's fucking crazy. Go back to the Angels though. They actually released. They caught Albert Pujols today. That's so sad, dude. He was such a fun player to watch growing up. Like, man, you look back at his career and the numbers he produced. I say this, I've said it a few times about him, but, you know, there are players who are known for their consistency and then there are players known for their dominance across shorter stretches, but they're more dominant. Albert Pujols was fucking both in his prime. With St. Louis in his heyday, in his heyday for a decade over there, he was consistently dominant. So while some are consistent, some are dominant, Pujols was consistently dominant in his prime. I mean, you go back and you look at some of those numbers. I And I like, I've memorized his stats. I... Because I go on his baseball reference so much and just sit there and look at the page and admire it. I literally just stare at that and admire it. Because you look at his numbers with St. Louis, it makes you it eye-popping. Every single year, you look at it. 330 average, 1,000 OPS, 40 homers, 100 RBIs, under 100 strikeouts. Every single freaking year this guy put up those numbers with St. Louis. I mean, literally, you look at it, and he's flirting with that every year. If not better, it's insane. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell has this guy not been mentioned? Maybe, well, he has. He obviously has. But, like, he should really be mentioned more in that conversation for best players of all time. Because I, you're never going to see numbers like that. Again, you're never going to see somebody who can hit 330 and hit 40 home runs and still strike out less than 100 times. That that doesn't happen anymore, dude. You know, because we're getting away from that. The strikeout isn't a sin anymore. Hitting for average isn't cool anymore. It's all about the home run. It's all about launching your swing and not worrying about how many times you strike out. And as long as the on-base is padded, nothing else matters. So we're never going to see... Somebody like Albert Pujols, who has that much power and bat-to-ball skills again. So it's a shame that the second half of his career with L.A. has turned out the way it has. That contract, that 10-year deal, I I think this was his final year. But they they couldn't do it anymore. They threw him the, the DFA. 
So it's sad, man. He was he was an awesome fucking player. I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating, too. I mean, those of you who know baseball, obviously, you know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, if you don't know his numbers, you can look it up. This dude was, he could have won a triple crown every year if, like, he wasn't one or two, you know, RBIs or homers off. Like, he was triple crown caliber numbers every single year while putting the ball in play. I mean, look at him right here. Like, his rookie year, he hit 329. Then he was 314, 359, 331, 330, 331, 327, 357, 327, 312. Unbelievable. And you look at the RBIs, always in the triple digits. I'm telling you, dude. And he even, you know, he stole some bases here and there. Jesus. You're never going to see dominance like that. Hopefully Mike Trout can stay healthy the remainder of his career, but he's not even, he's not even, now he's a much better defensive player. So I don't know how the whole war thing is going to work out. Maybe his overall war will say he's a better player, but I'm sorry, dude. Albert Pujols needs even more respect. Like he was a fucking stud. Hey, maybe the Yankees pick him up. <laughs> no, Luke Voigt should be back soon. I think next week. Um, but man, Mike Ford is oof. That guy's bad. He's hard. He's hard to watch. He's really been bad, Mike Ford. Dude, he's batting ninety-one. That's so weird to say because you don't say that. Like point zero ninety-one. That's what his average is. It's not 200. It's not 100. It's less than that. It's .091. So, let's see. Quick math here. He has to go... I think he's like 3 for 32. He has to go like 7 for 7 just to reach 250. So he has to get 7 hits in a row just to hit like league average benchmark. He's really bad. So I can't wait. Void is coming back at the perfect time. Perfect time. I would even rush him. Because <laughs> I can't do this Ford. You've got Rudin Odor who got hurt this series. He's now on the DL. You have Gio Urshela who got hurt this series. He's probably heading to the DL. What happens in the meantime? From now until Void gets back. You probably do wait at second. I'm thinking the Yankees are going to do wait at second, Ford on first, and then you go across the infield and have DJ at third for a bit. And then obviously you plug Voight in for Ford when he gets back. Or if you want to call up Miguel and Duhart, that would be so great, dude. I love Biggie. I wish he was a part of this team still. He was such a good hitter. But, I mean, you can't call him up. I can't imagine the Yankees promote him because he's, where is he going to play? I mean, they've pretty much punted on him playing third base. You know, last year that was... He didn't really play much third. He was in the outfield. He's obviously practicing, uh, practicing first base and left field right now down below. He's not even playing third base down there. So they've 
they've completely given that up, and I don't blame them. I do not want to see this guy play third base for my team ever again. But it's like, I, it sucks because you look at his bat, and it's like, wow, that used to be a thing. He was so fun. Remember, he took over for Brandon Drury. Man. Line drive hitter. Gap to gap guy. Also put the ball in play. Aggressive. I mean, unless they want to get weird and go Miggy at first base, weighted second, DJ at third. They could. I just. I, I mean, I wouldn't. I want to. I, I miss him. I, I just give him another shot. You know, his back gets hot. Use it a trade. Use it as trade bait. Get your starting pitcher, or keep him. He gets hot. You have another bat. But you know, probably not doing that. They're probably just gonna go with the first. Um, you know, wait at second, DJ at third, and have Ford hold down first base for another couple of days until Luke gets back. Probably not calling anybody up either who's not on the forty. Um, you know, Dietrich isn't on the forty, so they would have to pay him an extra five hundred k if they were to call him up. And obviously, that takes a chunk of their. $3 million spending that they want to use at the deadline probably so they can't do anything like that and call anybody up who's not on the 40. So maybe it is Miggy. Maybe we do give him a shot. But maybe we just go Wade, Ford, and DJ. I don't know. Be right back. May as well get into the games then. Uh, so, let's see. Going back to... When was game one? Was that on a... Let's see, today was Thursday. Wednesday, Tuesday. So going back to Tuesday night. The Yankees opening up for the first time with fans against the Astros at Yankee Stadium. And you know, they took the victory. They took the 7 to 3. Yes, 7 to 3 victory. It was fun. Domingo Herman facing off against Zach Granke. <laughs> um yeah. Top of the first inning. You know, Yankees fans Riled up. Booing everybody in sight. It's funny though, because they never booed uh, Guriel. He wasn't booed once. It's like they forgot he was on the fucking team back in 17. Um, top of the first inning, you get kind of a buzzkill when you have Alex Bregman going yard for the solo bomb. One to nothing Houston. 
But then you get the momentum shift. You, you get Giancarlo Stanton, who, man, we will get to him, blasts a home run. Two to one Yankees. Then you get Clint, bases loaded, grounds into a double play, but it does score Judge. Three to one Yankees after one. Top of the fourth, Michael Brantley, upper deck, 415 foot blast. And then you get Guriel with the RBI double. That ties the game at three apiece. Bottom of the sixth, DJ LeMayhew with the bases loaded. Dribbles one to third base. Bregman misfires to first. Three runs score in the play. You had Odor. Obviously, his knee collides with, um, was it Maldonado who was catching at home plate? And obviously, that's that's the play that sent Odor to the DL. Um, Giancarlo Stanton then later with the RBI single. I think it was an at-bat after. That puts the Yanks up 7-3. And again, they eventually win. Domingo, Litke, Lasagna, Peralta, and Chad Green. The five pitchers on the night. Domingo was whatever. You know, he went five innings, uh, three runs, six strikeouts. Very average. Um, his command was pretty off. You know, he left his... He doesn't throw too hard, so when you leave your 93-mile-per-hour fastball up in the zone to guys like Alex Bregman and Michael Brantley, they're going to make you pay. And they did. So the two bombs there did enough to put Domingo's line... Um, to register it as not a quality start. So, you know, that the pen came in. They shut it down from there, though. Um, and that was that. Uh, the Yankee offense went... You know, Granke won four, but the Yankees had him on the ropes early. Again, you had that Clint double play. Couldn't really do much. And uh, then Dusty Baker went with his bullpen after four, and that's kind of where the Yankees started getting, the goal, getting, uh, getting going a bit. And, you know, they had nine total hits. Uh, they also walked nine times, and they only struck out eight times. Um, they were one for eight with runners in scoring position, but they figured out a way to get their runs in. So, a good victory. That was the first game of the set. Game two. The middle game. Um, Yankees picked this up. Six to three. Another victory, their fifth win in a row, five wins in a row. Montgomery versus um, Garcia. I was a little worried there. You know, Jordan Montgomery, left-handed pitcher, facing up against a right-handed heavy lineup. Um, but it worked and ended up going well. He got the quality start. And, you know, he was solid. Continues to be exactly who I, I've always thought Montgomery was, which, you know, a pitcher who's never outstanding, but also never terrible. You go back and you look at this guy's history, you look at his game logs, he's always about the same. He's always going to give you more times than not. He's the anti-Tanaka, right? <laughs> Where Tanaka was either outstanding or absolutely, absolutely dreadful. Jordan Montgomery's always around his norm, where he's going to go five or six innings, two or three runs. You know, something like that. And so that's what he did. He went six innings, three runs. We call that a quality start around here. Um, Third inning, Giancarlo, two-run shot, two-nothing Yankees. Fourth inning, Carlos Correa, the RBI. Uh, then you get Guriel, the RBI double. Then you get Diaz, the RBI double. 
3-2 Astros after 4. Stanton again in the 5th inning. The RBI double makes it 3-3. Tie ball game. 8th inning comes. Yankees pounce on their pen. Hicks with the RBI single. 4-3. Gardner then the sack fly. 5-3. Stanton again. The RBI single. 6-3 Yankees. And again we get the victory. Montgomery. Quality start. 6 innings. 3 runs. Sessa, Peralta, Lasagna, and Chapman close it out from there. And that was the game where... uh, (laughs) <laughs> that was a game where you had Peralta getting Castro swinging on that changeup, which should have been strike three at the time, but the umpire called it a foul tip. And that's when Boone came out of the dugout and started giving him shit. Rightly so. It's nice to see that. Um, but the, the ump goes like, even Gary knew it was foul. And then Boone goes, well, Gary's wrong too. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, but it ended up not mattering because, you know, ball don't lie and Castro ended up striking out. So, <clears throat> a good win. Um, the lineup, nine hits, five walks, 11 strikeouts, and three for nine in scoring p- position. And that was that. Why am I lagging here, man? Like, my words are delayed with the fucking, with what I say. Yeah, I don't know. Are we good? No. Hold on. Trying to fix this. Alright, I think we're back. We're good. Alright, we're good. Let's get to the third game of the set. Which, you know, it was not a win. Uh, the Yankees could not fucking pick up the vic- uh, the sweep. Um, Would have been nice. Certainly would have been nice, but... You know, other plans. It was Garrett Cole versus Lance McCullers. And, um, software is still giving me shit. Hold on. I don't know, man. I don't know what to fucking do. I'm looking all over for a new fucking software because this is dog shit. I can't fucking deal with this anymore. I don't know what to fucking do. This is really pathetic. Everything I do is like, it's lagging and everything. Alright, so, um, yeah, you had, am I like not synced? Alright, I'm good now. Sorry. You had Yankees losing this one 7-4. Garrett Cole versus Lance McCullers. Uh, third inning. Stanton with the solo blast makes it one nothing Yankees. And fourth inning. Alvarez, one of his two home runs, uh, ties it at one. Bottom of the fourth, Clint responds. He goes to the short porch. And he throws that sign ball to Spike Lee after. Which was interesting. Uh, makes it 3-1 to one Yankees. Scoreless for a few. Seventh inning comes along. Alvarez, another home run off of Cole. Three to two. The Yankees still up, but by one. Um, Eighth inning. Chad Green feeds Jose Altuve a high heat on a three and two count. And boom, three run shot. Dude, that's, that's, that is literally his pitch. That high fastball is literally Jose Altuve's pitch that's it and he gave him the the high fastball but my thing is 
why is Boone removing his ace, who's, you know, your your guy, he's the guy who's making $1 million per start over the next decade, why is he taking him out of the game with 97 pitches after 7 innings? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Is that modern baseball, baby? Is that what that is? Is that another computer-generated decision? I... I mean, I know he wasn't dominant, Cole. You know, he allowed a couple of home runs, and he only had four strikeouts, and, you know, he didn't have a lot of swing and misses. He continues to not walk people. That was cool. But, like, I'm sorry. You don't take him out. That is not the move. You got to keep this guy in there. This is the one day a week where you get to save your entire pen, you know, by, by having your guy who can go seven and pitch into the eighth, and he's under 100 pitches, and you don't throw him back out there. Only two runs across seven? This is Garrett Cole, man. I mean, he knows how to navigate a lineup. But he goes Chad Green, and... Yeah. I don't know, man. You know, Yankees... Now four and three on Garrett Cole days. He's four and one, but the Yankees are four and three... On days that Garrett Cole pitches, that's not good. You've got to win a lot more than that. This is your top-notch guy. You've got to get him more wins. This fucking software is dog shit. My fucking gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, the Yankees responded in the bottom of the inning. They had Hicks. Aaron Hicks goes with the single... In the bottom of the eighth, uh, Torres then scores, and you had that was when Torres scored on that you know that heads up, uh, heads up base running play. Nobody was covering third, nobody was covering home plate, and so Glaber ends up going all the way around the diamond, and he scores on the play, which the Astros were very sloppy in the field this series. They, you know, you had the Geo hustle double. You had this, and you had the Bregman overthrow in Game 1. But that happens, and it's 5-4. to four, So maybe the Yankees have a shot here. And that's when Justin Wilson made his impact. He ends any hope in a comeback when he surrenders that big shot to Maldonado, making it 7-4. to four. Uh, Wilson has now allowed runs in three consecutive appearances. The ERA for him is now over 7. Zach Britton, hurry the fuck back. The lineup wasn't great. Four runs, nine hits, four walks, 11 strikeouts, 0 for 3 in scoring position. But yeah, that frustrated me towards the end of the game. Some of the decision making and some of the lack of execution from our pen, but they're not going to be perfect all the time. Um, but overall, I thought it was a positive series. You know, I didn't think it was anything crazy. I would have loved to get that sweep, but yeah. You look at it as a as a positive, for sure. You know, Giancarlo Stanton is a fucking joke right now. Eight for 13, eight RBIs, three home runs in this set. You go back to this 12-game hit streak that he's currently riding. 481 batting average, 11 RBIs, six home runs. Um, overall on the season, his numbers are up, robust. 314 average, 970 OPS, 9 dingers, 
23 ribeye steaks. He's on fucking fire. I mean, he's no longer swinging at junk. The plate discipline is there from, you know, back when last October. Remember, I was very surprised with his discipline. Well, that's back. He's hitting the ball harder than anybody I've ever fucking seen hit the ball in the history of the fucking game. He's he's raking. And it's funny because now we're chanting MVP, MVP just a few weeks after booing the living shit out of him for batting a buck 50. I love Yankees fans. That's who we are, man. We, we hold you to standards. We forget. We've got short-term memory, man. That's how it works in New York. Um, So he had a very strong series. He's been hot. He's been their best hitter all year. Crazy. Um, Glaber Torres, even, you know, he showed some positive signs. You know, four walks in three games. Um, he had some nice hits. Made that slick play in the in the first game of the set when he turned that DP to Geo. Looks a lot sharper in the field. The fundamentals are better. I actually looked up Glaber's um, defensive war on fan graphs during the game today. The guy fucking leads... Major League shortstops in defensive war. He he leads Major League and is I'm pretty sure his defensive run save, I think it's a, a plus three. So he's pretty close to the top of the leaderboards there too. I don't take those stats too seriously. I, I'm more of an eye test guy when it comes to defense. But, I mean, he has been better. You can see it. He's not double clutching. He's making smooth throws. He's not losing focus. He's finishing off place. So, and you look at his bat. Eh. Last two weeks, um, 306 average, a 393 on base. Um, he's just got to start slugging, man. He's got to get the home run. Got to get the first home run out of the way. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Dude, it's May 7th. As you're listening to this, it's Friday, May 7th. And Glaber Torres has zero home runs. That's so depressing. Guy hit 24 in 120 games as a rookie, and then he hit 38 in 140 something games as a sophomore. He has the down year last year with only what four home runs. Now he's got zero in the season's almost a month and a half through. Dude, that's got to start coming. The slugging is very low. It's like 288 or something like that. Because he doesn't have a single fucking home run. I've never seen anything like this from a guy who's supposed to be fucking top-notch. But at least the on-base is slowly going up. That's respectable now. It's around 345 or 350 or something like that. But it's the slugging that's affecting the OPS. The slugging percentage, and he's not getting a lot of hits still. So those two things are affecting the OPS. Um, at least Aaron Hicks, you know, quietly good. Finally did some useful things. As I sent out my Hicks tweet. Of course, the, the second I send out my Hicks is useless tweet, he gets a big hit a few innings later. He goes 6 for 10 in this set. Got on base all four times in game three. Um, he's finally over the Mendoza. And he, you know, he looks he looks sharp on, on both sides of the plate. I don't know. He looks sharp. He, lefty Hicks is coming around, hopefully. Um... You know, last two series, 343 batting average, a 450 on base, and yeah, he, he's he been good. Why am I fucking lagging, dude? Never gonna work. I'm gonna have to find a new fucking software. 
but Hicks has been good. Uh, it was Gio Rochelle was good before the injury, obviously. Um, got his average up to 287 on the year. The OPS is just below 800 now. And he looks sharp. Good for him. If you're looking at down notes um, or questions going forward, I'm still fucking choppy. Um, Judge, one for 13, nine strikeouts. He had that pitiful stretch where... He was like, oh, he was 0 for 7 with 7 strikeouts in fucking, in a row. From game 2 to game 3, he had an 0 for 7, 7 strikeout stretch. Gotta get it together, man. Especially for this next series, because I think we both, um, I think we, we see both Scherzer and Pat Corbin. Against Washington coming up. So. Be nice to get him going again. DJ LeMayu. Better. Again. But still not LeMayu. He was 0 for 5 today. Two strikeouts. Um, even some of his hits this season. Have been like infield rollers. Still. Timing isn't there. He's now 267 on the season. Um, the slugging is 336. I I don't know what it is with him. I, why am I fucking lagging? Dude, it's so choppy. I'm like... Choppy is what I meant to say. Hopefully this is working now. I don't know. So Judge was bad. Um, LeMayhew, again, 267, 336 slugging now on the season. Can we stop using, like, well, he's still doing well. Like, if everybody was held to standards of just doing well instead of meeting their own expectations... You'd have a team who'd be average as fuck. Like, the, the point isn't to just do well. Everybody just do well. The point is for everybody to hit their expectation, right? You build a roster because you want the players that you take on that roster to hit their expectations. So, we need Judge and LeMahieu, uh Judge and Stanton hitting their ceiling. We need DJ LeMahieu hitting his ceiling. That's how you win a title. When you get guys to hit their expectations. And so I'm not going to sit here and say, well, at least he's still hitting the ball decently or he's still doing blah, blah, blah. No, we need him. We got we got DJ LeMahieu to be DJ LeMahieu and be that extreme contact hitter who can hit north of 300 and who can hit the doubles and the gap and the singles the other way. That's why we have him. We don't have him to just be decent. We don't have... Everybody has their own standards that they need to hit. And not to mention, we gave this guy... You know, we handed him a $90 million check in the offseason for that exact reason. So I'm not sitting here and cutting with that bullshit. It'd be nice to see him get his shit together. And, you know, looking at some of his numbers in Colorado, he's had years like this. So would it be the most shocking? I, I hate to say no, but, like, it also wouldn't be shocking if he turned it around and started hitting 330 again. 
So I'm hoping he gets his shit together. But man, we were looking at May 7th and he's still been very, you know, average to slightly above average. But overall, guys, that is the series. That's all I've got for this Yankees Astros set. Um, before I throw my tablet out the window, I'm probably just going to end this episode right here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's head to break one last time. And when we get back from the break, we'll get to the MYY NYK and we'll wrap it up from there. Be right back. If we could even be right back. <laughs> All right. Let's see if I can get it. Yeah. All right. We'll be back from break in a second. All right. So last time out in episode, what was it, 241? Our NYY MYK question of the day. Which MLB, oh, sorry. Which player tied the MLB record for appearing in three perfect games? And the hint here was his last two game, uh, his last two perfect games came as a member of the Yankees. So... That was the question. Which player tied the MLB record for appearing in three perfect games, his last two as a Yankee? Paul O'Neill was the answer to that question. That was the NYY NYK for episode 241. For episode 242, our NYY, NYY, NYY NYK question of the day. Which Yankee catcher hit the final home run at Yankee Stadium before it was renovated in 1974-75. All right, so which Yankee catcher hit the final home run at Yankee Stadium before it was renovated in 1974-75? So message me the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you can comment the answer once I publish this podcast on that on those three sites. Guys, I appreciate it. I appreciate you tuning in to BD4. I am your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 242 of the podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. If you haven't subscribed to me on social media, be sure to follow me there. If you haven't subscribed to the blog, be sure to follow the blog. The blog is, again, it's a daily thing. I write daily recaps of the Yankees game, every one of them, and, and the Knicks games. Um, now, we're a little busy right now because the Yankees and Knicks are, are overlapping here, so I a lot of the times I'm going to have to double up and just write two games in one for both of those teams sometimes. So you'll, you'll see me do Knicks game 68-69 together or Yankees, you know, the final two games of the set or the first two games of the set, I'll just combine them because I'm a little busy and I don't feel like spreading it all apart. Um, but once, you know, basketball season ends, we'll we'll get back to normal, um, you know, from there. So just going to have to do it that way. But um, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate all your support. I appreciate anybody who tunes in. And, you know, be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Tell me why I'm awesome in the comments. Tell me why you love this show. Or tell me why I suck in the comments. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Even if you think I suck, give us a thumbs up. Um, share the podcast. Download these episodes that you enjoy so much. 
Listen to us on Anchor, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Watch us on YouTube. Do all that fun stuff. Share us on social media. All that stuff, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. That's going to do it for me. Once again, I am your host, RJ Carbone. And I'm going to wrap it up from here. This is episode 242 of the podcast, BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And I'll see you guys in the next one. All right. That'll do it. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.